0: There we go, there we go, there. I was just saying, what a what a great band we have here at church. You know, a lot of people say, "Where's your band?" It's right out here, and uh, you guys really do it well. You do it well, and it just uh, it makes a preacher. It gives the preacher that uh, I don't know. You encourage me to sicken, you know, go get going here, and so I appreciate that very much. But I think it's I just love being here, guys, this morning. Sunday's my favorite day now. I've, I've enj- I enjoy Sunday mornings. Here at Greater Alton, and um, good to be with you this morning. My name's Tim, and if it's your first time here, I hope you're going to enjoy yourself this morning. We, we, we are a church that, like we say, our little slogan or whatever you want to call it, a bridge to a better life, we're at, that's what we're after. We, we know that uh, there's a better life in Christ. There's a better life in the kingdom of light than in the kingdom of darkness. Amen? So it's really good to have you with us here, and uh, if it's been a while since you've been here, man, we're so glad you've come back and uh, you're you 're uh sitting with us, and you 're amongst you know friends and family here. Uh, nobody here's perfect we 're not a perfect church if you 're looking for a perfect church, oh boy, you better keep looking because this is not the place this is definitely not the place for that but if you 're looking for a church, is just trying to be Christians uh, warts and all that 's this place here that 's this place here um, so uh good glad to have you with us there 's a bulletin. I uh, hope you've got one. Uh, you can pick one up, and you walked in. Inside are some notes for our sermon today. You can follow along. I like circling and underlining, and that's why on the PowerPoint you're going to see a lot of words highlighted or underlined. Those are the words I uh, that catch my eye. But maybe you're kind of like a person who likes to circle words, and maybe there's another set of something you'll notice. Right, that's what the notes are for, for you to go home, study it a little bit more. Maybe check out what I'm saying. You know, you need to check out what your preacher's saying wherever you go. All right. Uh, make sure it's in the Bible. And at the same time, uh, you'll notice there's some things. There's a communication card in there. And that's simply your opportunity if you want to respond to this lesson. We don't have an altar call. We feel like you can respond right where you're sitting. And maybe you'd like to write something on the note, maybe for someone to pray about. We have a prayer ministry that prays over these cards and prays through these cards. And if you want someone praying for you, uh, we'll, we'll definitely do that for you bright uh, out what's, what your concerns are whether it 's another you know a health of someone or maybe there 's a need you have, a special need you go man i want i want to be able to lay my life down and be able to say your will always man that 's just holy words when you think about it and and it 's our uh, it 's our prayer that you uh take advantage of uh of this morning. We believe here at greater Alton you don 't go to church to waste time but to make decisions. And so uh, I think, I'm assuming you're here to hear something from the Word of God and to make a decision what you're going to do with it. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been looking at living like a king. And the reason I picked that title is because the Sermon on the Mount is the wishes of the King of kings. He spells out for us what He wants in His kingdom. In fact, the rest of the New Testament tries to explain a little bit more, bring a little more light to the subject, so to speak, to what Jesus is meaning when he's talking about his values in the kingdom. I believe this. I believe that whenever you bring, wherever you bring the kingdom of God into your life, you bring the reign of Christ, the rule of God. You also bring his power and his protection. And if you want to have uh, God's power in your marriage, bring the kingdom of God. Bring the king of kings into that marriage. If you want it on your campus, if you want it where you work, bring the values of the kingdom of God into that and watch him transform that situation, that marriage, that relationship, that workplace, it, it's amazing. There's a couple of things I want to tell you before we get into this topic of salt and light about the Sermon on the Mount that I think it's important to know. These are the desires when you read this, this sermon. The greatest sermon ever. If you, What do you mean by the greatest sermon ever? Listen to that lesson online. It's the very first lesson in this series why this is the greatest sermon ever. But in this, in this sermon that Jesus gives... He's laying out what's important to him. That means that these words are extremely important. that his values as a king, what he wants in his kingdom, the, the way of life, the principles, if you say, if you want it that way, the way he wants his kingdom to function are in this sermon. But it's also important to remember that Jesus is not speaking just to anybody. Now you may say, right, he's probably talking to some big shots in the, in the kingdom like Pharisees and teachers of the law. Not to of them out. He's, they may be overhearing him, but he's really focusing on some other people. He's focusing on the least in society, the misfits of society, the outcasts of society, the screw-ups, the mess-ups. The guys that just don't have a lot spiritually on the ball. That's who he's talking to in the Sermon on the Mountain, saying, I want you to see these things. And sometimes, guys, you know, you might look at the Sermon on the Mount and say, there's so much in it, that it's impossible to live up to this. Well, Jesus wouldn't waste his time telling us something to do that he didn't think we could do. He has faith in you. All you have to do is place faith in him. And I want you to know this morning that maybe you feel like you're one of those people that's, I'm a misfit I'm a thumb, you know, I stick out like a sore thumb. I don't have a lot of spiritually on the ball. I've made lots of mistakes. I've messed up a lot. Uh, Let me tell you, you're in a perfect church for that. Because you're sitting next to some people that have really screwed up this week. They have really messed up. They've said some things and done some things they don't want anybody else to know. Okay? And you're saying, really? I'm telling you right now, you're sitting next to some people that mess up on a daily basis. And, but we depend on God to help us do what he, he asks us to do. That's what you have sitting next to you. Somebody's saying, I depend on God to help me make up for where I fall short. Everybody is a sinner. Amen? All of us are sinners. And, we never, and, and all of us are justified by Jesus Christ. So uh, you're in good, a good place. And I want you to know if you're somebody who feels like you're behind the eight ball when it comes to spiritual things, spiritual values, understanding the Bible trying to get a grasp of it, Jesus wants you, especially you, in His kingdom. He's not after the beautiful guys. He's after the broken people. He's after the busted people. He's after the people that are burdened. That's the people He wants in His kingdom. So when He comes and speaks to us, uh, to mankind with the Sermon of the Mount, He isn't talking to the elitists or the, the ones that got it all together. He's talking to the ones that don't have anything together that are trying to put the pieces of their life back together. Look what the Bible says here. This is on the no, uh, up on the screen, not on your notes. And with joy, give thanks to the Father who has made you fit to have your share in what God has reserved for His people and the kingdom of light. It's God that makes us fit. It's God that helps us. Somebody says, you know, I'm not good enough to get to heaven. You're right. And, and you'll never be good enough. But God's good enough to get you there. God is good enough to get you where you need to be. And He's the one that makes you fit. And makes me fit. And it's his kingdom of light. It's a kingdom of light. It says, he rescued us. I don't tell you right there, we're in a mess. The Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee, who had lived the Old Testament pretty good, says, I was a mess, I need rescued. He puts himself in the boat with everybody else. He says, God rescued us from the power of darkness and brought us safe into the kingdom of his dear son. See, there's two kingdoms that exist. There's the kingdom of of darkness and the kingdom of light which kingdom do you think you're in it matters it matters and god you god wants you in his kingdom of light and how did he rescue us he died to make that possible you you mattered so much to him he died to make that possible so you could be in his kingdom his kingdom of light so, so not only is, uh, have, have I noticed in this passage, something else I notice about the kingdom is he brought me out of something. He rescued me out of something and put me in something and sends me out of something to, to represent him. So, not only does God bring me out of darkness into His kingdom, He sends me out in His kingdom, sends me out into the world to represent Him. That's why these verses here in Matthew 5, on your notes and up here on the screen, are so important. Look what what Jesus says here in Matthew 5. He says, You are the salt of the earth. He doesn't say, You should be. You could be. He says, You are be. You are the salt of the earth. In the same way, let your light shine before others. See that? I've been brought out of darkness into the kingdom of light, and I'm to be a light because I am. God is light, right? And and in fact, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he says, when you follow me, you're the light of the world. He says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, the king says you are salt and light. And those two, those two items he compares us to are not without purpose. He does it on purpose. It's not just a coincidence. He's using two different ways to explain that you and I are agents of change. You know, when you put salt on something uh, last night, where was, uh, we, we did pork chops on the grill. Had the sprinkly stuff from Bone Gap, you know. Oh, man, it's good. You know, the first pork chop you get free, the second one costs you 50 bucks. Everybody pays. You know, is that good? Tonight I'm making some chicken wings. And I'm putting the sprinkly stuff. I'm having the Spurgeon brothers out. Boy, I want to have Spurgeon in stereo. Watching the Bears Packers. And we're going to be eating chicken wings and eating Gary's chili. And I want to use some of that sprinkly stuff. And I noticed when we were eating the pork chops... Uh, we're sitting there and we have mashed potatoes and I instinctively grab the salt and put it on the mashed potatoes. Why would I do that? Denise put salt in the mashed potatoes. I put a little more salt. Why would I do that? It brings out the taste. It brings out... My tongue is affected by salt. Yes. I love it. Love it, love it. You know, watermelon in the summertime. Put a little salt on. Ooh. Yes-em. That's always good. That's always good. It's an agent. You know, salt is, is, that's what its purpose is. It's an agent of change. And light, when it's dark and you flip on the lights, you know, if you're, if some of us were at a campus retreat, and Jonathan, who's an inventor, brought a light that I I know three people are still blind from. He turned, What do you think of this? Everybody's like, ah! Two campus students melted. We didn't. Come to the retreat and get melted, yeah. And I was wanting him to... I thought about having him bring the light and just hit that thing and watch everybody... Kind of like men in black when they hit the light and everybody forgets, you know... It blinded everybody. It's such a bright light. I I don't think it works anymore. I think it overloads them. But, But what's light do? It drastically changes things. So what does it mean to live as salt and light? It means to make a positive impact on the world. That's what it's about. It's just simply making a positive impact on the world, a a, a difference in the world, and it's a good difference. And so when Jesus says, I want you to be salt, he's talking about an item that penetrates. It does something. It it changes the flavor, improves things. We know this, salt purifies, salt transforms. But did you know something else about salt I found interesting? It makes people thirsty. Think about that. If I'm the salt of the world, I'm gonna. If I'm salt wherever I am, I'm gonna make others thirsty. And I want to encourage you, like an old soda pop commercial, build that thirst. Build that thirst in the workplace. Be that salt. And light. Again, it when it comes on, darkness is gone. You're able to see. It's able to guide. And light also can purify, it can also draw people. How often has it been real dark, your cars broke down, and you see a light somewhere and you go, like a bug, you're going to, well maybe that's a house, I'll get some help. Light draws us in. Salt makes us thirsty. So when Jesus talks about, you are salt, I am salt, you are light. I am light. He's saying, Tim, church, you're here to make a positive impact in the world. I want you to partner with me. I'm the king, and my kingdom, I want my kingdom to spread. And I want my kingdom to to help others see how good it is, how good God is, how good it can be. So, how do I bring salt and light on the earth? I only have two points this morning, but a bunch of sub points, okay, but (laughs) it was nice to say it for a second, you know, I got two points, yeah, there's a catch, always is, okay, so how how do I bring salt and light to the earth, and this is what I learned this week, I first bring salt, uh, I salt the earth with my words. And I know salt is good for you know we're going to be using it to melt ice we're going to be using it and it's used to preserve meat and stuff but I don't know salt even in the in biblical times and even today is used for the tongue it's related to the tongue for taste and I can salt the earth you can salt the earth by the words by what you do with this tongue of yours I salt the earth. With my words, look what the Bible says. I found the only passage I can find. Where does it talk about salt and how's it work, and and it relates to what we say? The Bible, and and here's Paul. I believe recalling what he learned from the Sermon on the Mount, from the words of Christ, he says, "Let your words that you speak always be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Then you will know how to answer everyone." He says, "Bring salt into your conversation. Bring some salt, season it with salt." what, What are you talking about? Christ like words, godly words. Well, what, what kind of words are we talking about here, Tim? What kind of words are you talking you What are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about the kind of, wor- kind of words we speak, and I've got to say nowadays, I've got to include this the kind of words we write. Because it seems to me we write more words than we say. Send. And then they send back something. What does he mean by that? Why don't you just go, what did you mean by that? <laughs> oh, it's so simple. It's called a telephone. You know, when did they invent that? You know, it's, but we sit there and we get on the computer, and, we, and it seems like more people are writing than they're talking, and, but they're still saying. And we really need to think about how we say things, how we write things on the computer. I don't call it FaceTime or Facebook anymore. Sometimes I call it f- disgrace book. It's just, it just seems like it's harmful. I don't want to be in anybody's face anymore. You know, I, I get, I get, I get constant. I'm on Facebook once a year. And I try to pick it during a time when nobody's awake. And I type in, well, I'm on the air. Anybody out there? Oh, too bad. And I'm off for another year. But, you know, I, I, guys, I tell you, sometimes I just, what kind of, what are we communicating? Because when we salt the world with our words, we can, we can do wonders with words. A lot, of, a lot of the problems that we have and solutions we have are either created or solved with sometimes with words. Well, what kind of words are you talking about, Tim, here? You know, I'm talking about the kind of words that, that preserve civility, that bring out the best in discussions, that, that, that preserve morality, that somehow bring out and preserve dignity and respect to one another. Now, I'm, telling, I'm preaching a sermon here you, that uh, I myself struggle With words, I'm supposed to be a word crafter. And sometimes I think I make a mess with the words I use. The words I speak and the words I write. You know, I used to tell people, you know, uh, when they'd listen to me. A lot of them are here. I'd tell people, guests, I'd say, you know, a lot of people are here because they want to see when will I crash. Because I'll say I'm body is what one guy told me, told my brother and I. We were body people. What's body mean? We'll say anything. And so I I want you to know, I'm with you on this. I'm challenged by what I'm about to share with you. I want to bring salt, God's salt, into my conversation. But it takes great discipline, desire and discipline to do this. What kind of words are you talking about, Tim? The The kind that are full of grace, like the passage says. Well, let's look at the list. Well, first, my words of encouragement. I can salt the earth when I'm encouraging people. Just simple encouragement. Anybody here need some encouragement? How many, uh, raise your hand if you need encouragement this morning. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ryan raised both hands. <laughs> yeah. We all could use encouragement. We get confused. We get discouraged. We worry. And how many times have you remembered... When there were times when you're going, I don't know what I'm gonna do, and you get panicky, you get the heart rate goes up and everything, and then somebody sees that and they start talk, and you start sharing a little bit, you don't share everything, just a little bit at a time, and as you're talking, the person begins to encourage you and it makes all the difference. You're thinking, Wow, I'm sure glad we happened to run in together. You really think it was just a coincidence? God knew you needed encouragement. Or how many times have you been with somebody and they're discouraged and you're just talking and they walk away going, man, thanks for being there. You were so encouraging. You're thinking, what did I say? What did did I do? Words of encouragement. Look at what the Bible says here in Ephesians 4. When you talk, don't say harmful things. Ouch. But say what people need. Words that will help others become stronger. Then what you say will do good to those who listen to you. I think about what are harmful things. Like, what are you talking about, Tim? Well, sometimes it doesn't have to be to that person. You could just be saying harmful things. And it discourages people. You can be talking about somebody else. You can be complaining about something whining about something. And people are like, Man, for some reason I'm just feeling a little low right now. I wonder why. Well that nothing's been said directly to them to you. You've heard it indirectly. But man, encouragement when you when when you say when you're saying things that encourage that build up, Man. It makes them stronger. Let me tell you something, guys. Like salt, people go, can I get more of that? I'm a little thirsty. Or, or they're going to look at you and go, Man, where are you what are you doing for lunch? Or where are you going? want Can we get together some more? You're, you're drawing people, yes, perhaps to yourself, but you know better. It's not about you. You make it about Christ, right? So, you draw them to Christ with encouragement. I looked at Jesus. I'm thinking, was he encouraging? So encouraging. I mean, we just heard of the Lord's Supper, what Michael has said. You know, here's Peter who's going to fall flat on his face. Jesus says, You're going to fall flat on your face. Satan's going to sift you like wheat. What are you talking about? You're going to deny me three times. Never! And he does. He does. Three times. Rooster crows. And he goes, Oh, here comes the shame. And he feels real stupid. And yet, what's Jesus say? Now, when you come back, what do you think Peter's going, huh? You're going to come back. In fact, I think Jesus wanted to remind Peter somehow, because when he came out of the grave, didn't he tell the disciples, hey, you go tell everybody and Peter. Why is he singling Peter out? He wants to encourage him. Remember what I said? We're going to be meeting over here. I got faith in you, dude. You put faith in me. Words of encouragement go a long long way. Let me ask you what do people need to hear from you? You saw the hands go up. Who needs to hear from Who do they need to hear from this morning? You know, if your hand went up, you know, uh, I want you to know you need encouraged and but I want to encourage you to think about who do you need to encourage too. It does wonders Number, now here's the second, there's another point in here. My words of patience. My words of patience. If you want to, uh, I want to ask you this week, you know, salt your conversation with words of patience. What are you talking about? Well, the other day I was at Lowe's, and here I go again on Lowe's. You know, I go to Lowe's all the time. Well, why do you go there, Tim? You seem to always be frustrated. I don't know. But it seems like every time I go there, just about every time... Somebody in front of me gets something with the barcode that's half scratched off, and we have to go through this arduous process of getting the, the price. And so I'm waiting. And I've got two items, you know, and I'm waiting. And, and, and I watch, and I see this all the time. The, the, the cash person, maybe it's their first day or second day at work, and they're looking at me like, Please help me. Please don't be so upset. Huh? And I must have that look like, Oh, Why am I waiting? <laughs> And, I, and, I, and one day, I remember one day, this was happening. It was a Sunday afternoon. It was after church. You know, I was kind of calm. You know, I had a good Sunday. And I'm <laughs> by one thing, and it's happening again. And I'm sitting there like this. And she looks at me, and I go, ma'am, it's okay. Take your time. No big deal. I got all day. It's all right. You, sell, you know what she does? She goes, okay. And then we go through the arduous process of getting this price. But but you know sometimes just being saying why are we such a hurry sometimes hurry up you know I I go through this myself I go I'm frustrated sometimes there's times I want to I'm just so frustrated with somebody at the same time I'm so happy for them that I get frustrated with them because they're not changing fast enough why won't you change faster? And they're like, well, what are you talking about? You know, I, and, and so the, the, the words of patience say, you know what? You need time to process what I just said to you. Words of patience says, you know, you need time to repent of that. And God gives you time because he gives me plenty of time. Maybe I should give that to you. Look what the Bible says here. It says that patience can persuade a prince. Now, I don't know about you, but you've got somebody over you in an authority. And you're thinking, how can I influence them and persuade them? Well, patience will definitely do it. Not complaining. Not demanding. And he says, and soft speech can break bones. You know, I really have a hard time believing that. But I've seen it happen. I've I've seen, I've seen, I've watched some of you who are speaking softly to somebody. And it is effective. Words of patience. I wonder where, who needs some words of patience from you this morning. Just some patient words. To encourage you, let you know all right, I know you're going to figure it out. You're going to be okay. Number, here's the number third one here. Words of faith. Words of faith. What are you talking about? Today? I'm talking about words that, you know, Scripture, I'm talking about what you believe. It says here in Colossians 3, verse 16, Let the teaching of Christ live inside you richly. And one of the things I really, uh, we've talked about this, Gary and Al and I have been talking about this, very excited about, is we're more and more looking at the Scriptures, more and more looking at what the Bible has to say. Why? Because hearing the Word of God produces faith. And I'm not saying that you, you know, it does say use all wisdom to teach and counsel each other. I think as Christians we ought to be able to say, hey, you know, the Bible says this, or what do you think of this verse? Or look at what Jesus says here, and it be effective, huh? That you, when you say that, automatically, it's got, you know, what? Jesus said what? He says this. You got my attention then. But with the world, we might not, it may be more difficult to say, you know, the Bible says that we're not to do that. You know, you might get punched in the nose. So how do I share my faith, words of faith, with the unbeliever? Well, maybe I share what I believe, and not so much the Bible verse, but what it tells me. And it's amazing what a little word, some words of faith, that what I believe can change the conversation into something good. Something good. Sometimes it's simply sharing sharing the Word of God. It It can include that. I was looking this morning. I found a passage this morning as I was sitting over there. In Psalms 119, verse 30, it says, The unfolding of your word... Gives light. And that interests me. That the more I, the, if I, if I want to bring light to something, if I want to make an impact and, and bring uh, wisdom to a conversation, something good to a conversation, I share my faith. I share my faith. This is what I believe. This is what I, uh, uh, let me say it this way. This is what I believe today. Because it isn't always growing. This is where I'm at right now, and sometimes you know, I always t- guys to tell you, God's words are amazing. They're amazing when we bring them into our conversations, and sometimes we're not. Most, I mean, do your are your words words of faith or disbelief and doubts that discourages people. You know, try to bring faith into your dialogue and see what it can do. Here's another one: words of truth. People need to know you're telling them the truth. They need to know that you can be trusted. Now, as a fellow uh, person who does his best to tell the truth, occasionally we will shade the truth, won't we? We might hide the truth. What do I do when that happens, Tim? I apologize. I make that right as soon as I can. Why? Because the Bible says the truth will set you free. Truth is good. may hurt sometimes for it helps, but it always is good for you and I. And look what, look what Paul said here about speaking words of truth. He goes, we will lovingly follow the truth at all times. And then he explains what he means by that. Speaking truly, dealing truly, and living truly, and so become more and more in every way like Christ. Guys, if you're continuing to be deceitful and hiding and lying, so what? Well, I'm telling little white lies, you're not becoming more and more like Christ in every way. You're staying more and more like you. And if you really want, you know, a lot of times I found myself. I've heard this lately, and I, and man, I fall prey to it too. Well, I don't want to hurt anybody if I tell them the truth. You know who you're worried about hurting? Yourself. That's really what it's about. No, no, I really worry about hurting them. You know, let God worry about hurting them. Let the truth be said. I'm not saying use a sledgehammer. <clears throat> I told you. There you go. Why are you, why are you holding your head? You know. Well, you, you hit me over the head with a sledgehammer to make your point. I'm not saying that. Man, if we could just how refreshing it would be in the world if people could tell the truth. By the way, I want to go back to a passage, just to remind you. That, that passage that says, when salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? You, might have a, you ever read that and go, I wonder what he's really saying there. Can salt lose its saltiness? No. He's saying that on purpose. Well, What's he trying to say? My opinion, I think what he's trying to say is, if you aren't a Christian in the world and be this salt, it's like it's lost its saltiness. The world needs salt. It needs you to be salt. And so I bring truth into my discussions. People need to know that. I can, that When they talk to me, they're not going to get some biased, slanted view, but they're going to get straight up. They're going to get an objective view. Another one, my words of kindness. Hello. Here we go. Words of kindness. I'm a body person. I've said that before. What's that mean? That's just an excuse for talking to people any way I want to. Sometimes I think, I just go, well, that's the way I am. You ever felt like, well, that's the way I am. That's the way I talk to people. You know, you got to cut that out. Words of kindness go a long way. See, we know the words that push people's buttons, don't we? Yeah, the ones that's closest to us in the family. We know which button... I'll use this word, and and off goes the argument. And we also know a kinder way to talk. We live in a very harsh world, folks. A very harsh, mean-spirited world. And how refreshing it would be! How much light and how much how how much morality and decency and respect and love would be preserved if Christians. We're kind. You say, well, Christians are kind. I'm done. You know better. We struggle with being kind every bit as much as the world. And it takes courage and faith and discipline to choose kind words. I don't know. Maybe you're natural at it. I am not that guy. (laughs) It's so hard to remember. Be kind. What did did Rick Warren say one time? You'll never be persuasive as long as you're abrasive. And you all know what I'm talking about there, right? Yeah. Look what the Bible says here. The mouth of a good person is a deep life-giving well. But the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. There's salt and light right there in that verse you see light and darkness you see salt when i'm when I, when I bring good words wholesome words, good dialogue godly dialogue into my conversation guess what people are they, I'm, I become a source of life to people you 've given me a second wind you 've given me encouragement you 've given me hope but the mouth of the wicked doesn't work that way. It's dark and abusive. It's negative. Here's another passage. Let me show you that I that I found that I didn't I didn't know what to do. I just it didn't make the cut in the, on the paper. But look at it. Says here, a gentle answer. This is the International Children's Bible, and it, uh, yeah, again, International Children's Bible always breaks it down in kids language I can understand. A gentle answer will calm a person's anger, but an unkind answer will cause more anger. Duh. But sometimes I need to hear that. Like a child, like a spoiled child, I forget. And if I use unkind answers, I'm going to cause resentment and anger and bitterness. So I choose kind words. And here's another, here's another last set of words I want you to think about that you can you consult your conversation with, and that's words of hope. Words of hope. People are desperate for hope. Would you agree with that? People are looking for hope. What's hope? An expectation, and they're looking for a good expectation, a positive expectation. And sometimes, man, uh, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel can be an oncoming train for people, and they're looking for hope. Give me something to hope in. Give me something to expect that this is going to change. This is going to end. It's going to get better. Look at the Bible says here. In the voice, paraphrase: the weight of worries, or the weight of worry drags us down. But a good word lightens our day. And isn't that true? That sometimes just a word of hope, we give hope to somebody. Well, how can I do that, Tim? I'll give you two specific ways. One is to pray with people. Just pray with them. Try it. Have the guts and the courage and the discipline. Say, so you know what? I'm not only just pray for you. I will pray with you. You'll be surprised how it turns their day around. And it will turn yours around too. It just changes everything. And another way you can give hope to people is tell them your story. Tell them what ha- what's happened to you. You say, well, right now it's the, the story's kind of got some, it's a, it's a hard chapter. Tell them the hard chapter. Tell them what you're going through and how you're trusting the Lord. That gives them hope. I, I got two kinds of people here at, at uh, Greater Alton. I notice this when I preach. There's the kind of people, you're the category that says, Tim, I wish you wouldn't share your dirty laundry or or your stuff. First, you embarrass your wife and your children. And secondly, I lose respect for you when you do that. Now, that's that camp. Too bad. Then there's the other camp, the other (laughs) side. There's the other side. And by the way, it's not just my wife and kids are in that camp. There's the other side that says, I don't know, Tim, I kind of like it when you talk about your junk. Oh, really? Yeah. Because when you talk about your stuff and how you messed up and how you screw up, man, I, I realize, hey, maybe I can do something. Maybe I can work it out. Hooray for that camp. Okay? The rest of you... I don't know what to say. Because I'm body. And I'm going to say anything. I know I said junk, and some of you, I know, I get it. But do you know... Well, it used to be stuff and other things. We used to say that, so we get in trouble. But, but you see what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just trying to say to you guys is that people need to know that, that you hurt. I'll never forget when my father passed away. A friend of mine says to me, It's okay to cry, Tim. Huh? It's okay to cry. And I'm thinking, No, I can't cry. I'm a Christian. (laughs) Your dad passed away. Yes, my dad died. And they found him three days in a hot trailer. And he was ripe. And he didn't know the Lord. And got to keep that grin going. And I'll forget, I was in a car with my older brother and my younger brother. And my younger brother sits right there. This is the beginning of reaching him. And I'm holding my dad's belt in my hand, the one he used to whoop me with. And we were going through his things, and I wanted that belt. And I just sobbed and cried. And Danny's like worried about me. It's okay, Tim. It's okay. And I'm going, hey, I'm going, you have no clue. My dad is lost. My dad is lost. I could not, I didn't know what to do but cry. And and then I look over at my older brother and he's mad at me. How dare you cry? You're a Christian man. You're supposed to be the strongest one in the car. And my younger brother's going, wow, my brother's being real. Sometimes you guys telling your story, just tell them. You know, I'm a screw-up. I'm a foul-up. I go to that church down there, that, you know, that dome church. It's been called other things, but that's that dome church. <laughs> Although, by the way, the, isn't it beautiful now? Oh, the color's beautiful? Yeah. yeah. Know those guys that worked on it, man, what a great job. It's so beautiful. Beautiful. And, um, But, you know, I go to that church, and they do crazy stuff. They hand out candy. and It's not treats in the trunk anymore. It's more like treats from the crazy displays. <laughs> you know, and yeah, we're having a good time. But we're just sinners saved by Christ. That's all we really are. And it gives people hope. Well, if he is going through that and he's dealing with that way, maybe I can go through that and I can, maybe I can expect something from God if I'll just have put my hope in him like this person has shared. Second point, what about light, Tim? Well, I light the world by the way I live. Jesus calls them good deeds. That's what He calls them. He calls them good deeds. Now, I, I, this this week I heard this, and I you think about this for a minute, because I might end up uh, contradicting it later. I hope I don't. You can't make more light... Or you can't dispense light with more salt. It's dark in that room. Well, let's get some uh, Morton salt and... It's still dark. How come? In other words, light takes more than words. And if you want to change a dark place into a lit place, talking about it more may not have much more impact. It only has so much impact. You follow me now? So, it's... That's why Jesus says, look, it's not just the word you use. It's got to be the life you lead. The way, the what, what you do. See, there could be darkness all around you and just sitting around talking about it and saying, Hallelujah, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Ain't gonna ain't going to change a thing. You've got to reach over and do something and flick the lights on. And you flick the lights on, guys. Let me tell you, when you begin to do light, light things, you begin to do what... You believe, you talk about turning on the lights wherever you are. It does it quickly. Quickly. It changes things quickly. Look what Jesus says here. He says, look, well, look at this again. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. It can't be. You cannot hide. Light is not, dis- we're not to hide it. He says, you can't hide it. You don't, put it up, you don't put it under a bowl. A lot of Christians, that's their approach to being a Christian. Well, you know, now I'm a Christian. I've got to make sure I don't get polluted by the world, so I'm going to stay away from the world. I'm going to build some barricade up and, shh, shh, don't you come in here, world. And a lot of churches separate themselves from the world because they don't want the church to change. The Jews were that way. Then the Gentiles come along and screw it all up for them. They had this whole ritual thing down. Jesus comes along. Uh, we're gonna be, I'm going to be a light to the Gentiles. Remember Isaiah 46? I'm a light to the Gentile. And, and here they come. Well, what are we doing now? You can't sit there. What are you doing? You can't do that. It's only different. It changed church. Jesus changed church. And why should I not be surprised? Why am I surprised when church changes? Because a lot of the culture gets in here. Not say it's, I'm not saying to, okay, then whatever the culture does, we'll do in here. No, but we're going to have culture like things in our church. I had somebody the other day say, well, you guys are a mega church. We're not even 2,000 members to be a mega church. Yeah, but you teach mega church stuff. Well, if a megachurch is teaching we're all sinners, and if a megachurch is teaching that you know we're going to, the church is going to change all the time because we're like an amoeba because of all the sinners that come in and out of this place, including myself, then so be it. That's the way it's supposed to be. That means the songs will change. The style will change. The, the colors will change. Oh my, we can't have that. We're cha- Now listen, are we agents of change or not? Are you still changing? Then your church is going to keep changing. Embrace it. Don't worry so much about it. Deal with it. You can't hide it. You've got to put it on a stand. He says, in the same way, don't let, don't let uh, light shine, or, or in the same way, let your light shine before others. And he's saying, look, don't hide it, and don't blend in either. So many Christians, if we become Christians, and then we're working so hard not to stand out too much because we might offend somebody, or they might give us a lot of guff or business. And so, I don't want to sound like I'm all self righteous. Well, there's, right, you can be righteous, though, you can do what's right. You can you can be loving like Christ. Who's against that? You gotta have your boss come in, oh stop loving everybody in this office, including me. You might get a raise. He says, Man, don't barricade yourself. Don't blend in either. I remember when my older brother I was trying to find a way to reach him, and I know how he felt about churchy people, and I'm thinking, I'm not gonna be a churchy person, so I'd be with him, he'd cuss, and I'd cuss. The Bible says be all things to all men. I don't think Paul meant that. Because it wasn't working. He looked at me and goes, You go to church? Yeah, boop boop right I do. Every boop boop Sunday. I don't know, Tim. <laughs> if he didn't see a difference, how am I gonna how is he gonna be drawn to Christ? And sometimes we're going to have to blend in. Well, you know, I'm trying to work undercover. Jesus says, no, you don't work undercover anymore. Get it out in the open. Don't be obnoxious. Of course not. Don't be so pushy that people go, man, you know, be human, be real. Think about how that's coming across. That's becoming all things to all men. No, he says, don't barricade yourself. You know, I know people that have done that for years. And, you know... uh, They've reached nobody. Jesus says, "No, you put it out there. Let them see what you're doing." By the way, does that, do, let me get my ear ready. Did I just understand Jesus to say we're to live transparently? Does He just say let your light, let everything, see, let everybody see everything? I think He just did. Oops. Let your light shine before others. They'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So what's he say? Don't barricade. Don't blend. Be bright. Do do whatever it takes to get brighter and brighter and brighter. Look how Peter says it. Peter comments on this Sermon on the Mount. He comments on it several times. And look what he says. People who do not believe are living all around you and might say that you're doing wrong. Live such good lives that they'll see the good things, there's that good deeds, that you do and will give glory to God. And on the day when Christ comes again, they'll see what you do and they'll see God. They'll praise God, not you. I have people say, man, you know, uh, you ought to come to church here. Why? You need to listen to this guy. Listen, that's not advertising for the Lord. That's advertising for man. Well, if we have the right guy, the right woman, then things would be... Uh, there may be some degree of truth. You want to have good leadership. I get that. But, hey, it's about the Lord. And we're going to see that in a minute. It's about giving glory to God. If, I, if people aren't seeing God in this thing, I'm, I'm not in the, the right thing. You're not in the right thing. Look at look what uh, Paul says. He wasn't there to hear the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe he was. Maybe he was a Pharisee listening to the distance. I don't know. But I know this. He weighs in on this shining like star stuff. Look what he says here. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Oops. I see salt and light. Do you see salt and light in that passage? Do everything. There's your light. Without grumbling or, com- or arguing. And you can do... Guys, you can, do, you can be a generous person. You can be a servant. But if you're a grumpy, crotchety, whiny... Critical person, so what? It takes away, it dims your light. It's like one of them dimmers. He says, "Do everything without grumbling and arguing." Boy, <laughs> well, that's a, that may be the toughest passage in the Bible to obey, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, Tim, I want to argue about that. See? You're having trouble already. So, so, he says, so that you may become blameless and pure. What's he mean by blameless and pure? You'll become the kind of person that lives above reproach. And we should live above reproach where we eliminate questionable things and, and questions people have about us. That these questions the questions of, well, are you, what are you doing there? That's, that's critical questions. We can eliminate that by doing everything without grumbling and complaining. We become blameless. We live a life that doesn't call into question. It's above reproach. Children of God without fault, he says, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them. Not barricaded in some hole somewhere like a monk. And you won't shine among them by blending in. You blend into darkness. You know what you've got to be? Dark. No. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. I, last night... You know, the uh, last couple of nights, it's been kind of crisp, kind of cold. And you look up, and don't you just look at the stars and go, wow. I don't look at the darkness and go, wow. I don't look at, the, oh, look at how dark that is. Wow, that's dark. And it's everywhere. Thank you, God, for your darkness. No, we look at the stars and go, look at those. Look at those. And then, there's a shooting one. And it's amongst the darkness we see this display of light. And God says, you are that light. You are stars. You are stars of the universe. The world looks at you, and they're either going to see darkness or, or light. So what, what, uh, how do I show this light, Tim? What? What kind of or what kind of deeds? By the way, can I? I want to say something to you. I I've saved this for now. One last thing before I, I tell you these deeds. Did you know that another use for salt in ancient times was to put a little salt on the wick of the candle, and it made the light brighter? What? They put a little salt on the wick of the candle, and it would brighten the light. So that's why complaining and gossiping and being negative and all this dialogue, guys, it can really affect how bright your light is. You see that? They all go together. So what can I do? What can I do to bring light to the world? Well, let me give you a couple, of few ideas here. What kind of deeds are you talking about, Tim? Well, first, my deeds of compassion. I bring deeds of compassion into my world. You know, Jesus is talking about the judgment day, and he's saying there's going to be a time when people are going to come, and I'm going to say, well, come in and enter You know, the kingdom of God, or enter the kingdom of heaven, or enter heaven. Why? Well, I was hungry, he says right here. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed some clothes, you clothed me. Look at all the compassionate things Jesus is listing here. Thirsty, hunger, I needed a place to stay, I needed clothing. I was sick, and you thought, and you come and looked after me. He says that. Look what else he says. He goes. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, "Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you, or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you as, uh, as a stranger invite you in, or needing clothes or to clothe you? When, when did we see you sick or in prison? You know, was Jesus ever sick? Did he, Jesus ever walk and get up one morning going?" <coughs> I can't find a place in the Bible where he was sick. Was he ever in jail? He was in court. And they're, they're saying, Yo, Jesus, we were around you. We don't, remember, we don't even remember seeing you in these things. Hey, you were hungry? The well, last time you were hungry, you went. one <coughs> <laughs> some? I got plenty. There's 5,000. <coughs> 5,000 fed. <coughs> Drops the mic and walks off you know <laughs> it 's done. Was he ever hungry? Was he ever thirsty on the cross? He was thirsty is he and he 's saying guys no no i 'm not talking about how you that, that you did it personally to me, but you did do it personally to me when you took care of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine. you did it to me when you 're compassionate to other people you're compassionate to me. What a motivation, huh? You know we have these care baskets, the we care baskets in your bulletin and some of you've been giving all year to this thing and we've been able to help people. Mike was telling me, we were able to help we've been able to help families with this. Praise God that you do that. But you know it doesn't have to be just through the church. You can do it on your own. When somebody needs a little a place to stay, give them a place to stay. Well, they'll take advantage of me. It doesn't so so, your brother needs a place to stay. He's sick. He needs some attention. He, need, he's, he needs something to eat, something to drink. Compassion. Deeds of compassion. I think about a, an old lady. I was 20-some, 20 21, 22 years old, and she was an old lady. And she was, you know, she came to church, sat in the back row. Nothing about against you guys in the back row. But she sat in the back row and didn't do anything except sit there. And I don't even know if she's saying. Because I was in the front row. And I couldn't see. And I just remember as a youth minister, young man going, oh, what does she do around here? Plate go by. I don't even know if she put anything in a plate. You looked. Been there. Was at youth minister at this church for about five years, and then it was time for me to go. I moved here, and never spoke much to this woman. She'd been a charter member before me. She'd probably seen preachers come and go. And she says, Tim, could you come by my house uh, sometime before you before you move? And I go, oh, okay. And so we set up a po- time, and I go to her house, and it's an old lady's house. <laughs> Smells like an old lady. Everything's. Perfectly in place, and she's got knickknacks all over the place. But I also smell something else. That every young man. Is that pie? She says yes. What kind of pie would you like? You mean you got more? Of what kind of pie? <laughs> I like cherry pie. Well then, come on. And gives me a big hunk of cherry pie. And I'm sitting there drinking coffee and talking to this woman. Never spoke more than five words on a Sunday tour. And she begins to tell me how much she's appreciated me working with young people, and all the things she'd, she she said. All the, that's all the. I just want you to know, Tim. I'm sad to see you go. I've really enjoyed having you here. Really? And when I get done, I go to someone else's house. I go. Guess what? I just had a pie with so and so. Yeah, she makes a lot of those. What do you mean she makes a lot of those? She gives pie to everybody in the community. What do you mean like everybody? It's a rural community, farming community. Tim, she's constantly giving pies and inviting people to church. Really? I thought she did nothing. And some of you here, I know, are pie people. I know you're doing stuff nobody else knows. You keep it that way. You keep serving and doing good deeds and deeds of compassion. You see people hungry. You see people needing a place to stay. You see people needing some help, and you help them, and you don't want anybody to know. Praise God that you're doing it that way. You don't toot your own horn. Why? Because it's about praising God, not yourself. You keep that up, and for the rest of us here, let's, let's show some compassion to people. Let's, keep, let's, keep, let's find ways where we can, we can offer hospitality and help, emotional, physical, financial. It all counts. It'll all count. Jesus sees it, and so do those people. It's like a light they cannot ignore. I've got to hurry. Let me give you another point. My deeds of mercy... What do you do when people hurt you, say all kinds of bad things about you, disappoint you, shaft you, pull the rug out from under you, betray you, stab you in the back? i tell you what I want to do. I want to get even. I pray that for their demise. Oh, I hope they fall apart. You say, Tim, you do that? I sure do. That's not right. You're absolutely right. That's why I don't like this point. Because if I really want to shed light, the light of God, I need to be merciful, forgiving, compassionate, understanding with others. Why should I give them mercy? It's whole, Listen, guys, it's easy to give mercy to somebody who's good and nice to you, right? It's the one that's hurt you. That's where I'm tested. I'm to be merciful to that person? That person betrayed me. That person hurt me. That person abused me. Why should I be merciful to them? i got two reasons, maybe three. One is because God is merciful to me. He's merciful to you. Look at the Bible says. Be merciful because God was merciful. He's merciful to you. That's what the Bible says in Luke 6. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. On top of that... I'm beginning to realize a lot of you are merciful towards me when I don't deserve it. Because I'm like an emotional bull in a china shop. You know, an emotional china shop. Uh, you know what I mean. I say things I don't even know it. I, I'm bumping into you. I'm hurting you. And I don't even know it. Why? What's wrong with you? You're so insensitive. Yeah. yeah you, you don't have a clue. You got bing, You got it. That's it. I don't see it. But I'll tell you what I do see, the moment you've been merciful to me. And maybe you can think about who's been merciful to you lately. That motivates you, doesn't it, to be merciful to someone else? They choose to give mercy to you, not what you deserve. You deserve a punch in the nose. I deserve a slap in the face. But what do they give me? They give me mercy. And, and, and there's a third reason, a third reason I should be merciful, and that's because it brings people and points people to Christ. This is a, I know this, for you, it may be a, you know this, but for to me, they're aha moments. What makes me think getting even is going to help somebody get to heaven? <laughs> if I get even, they'll get to heaven. Yeah. And pigs fly. I mean, is this a bit you know, sometimes we can live these concepts and not even realize it till finally, aha moment. You know, I, don't, I need to quit trying to get even because that's not going to get him any closer to heaven. I need to be merciful. Micah says this. Micah says this, and Micah, on your notes here, verse six, eight, chapter six, verse eight. God has told you what He wants, and this is all it is—to be fair, just, merciful and to walk humbly with your God. Some of you get the daily text, and I had this moment where I realized something. It was pointed out to me as I was preparing for this lesson. And that is that how do I see people really matters. What I mean by that is, do you see people who disagree with you, who hurt you, that beat up on you, that betray you, that are Democrats. I'm sorry, let me go back. <laughs> I had to say, sorry, oops. No, they, you know, they, they disagree with you politically. They disagree with your values. They do it differently, but they hurt you. And they oppose some, some convictions you have, some strong ones you would go to the mattresses for. I mean, you would die on a hill for that. And you see them as bad people. They're bad. They're bad people. Huh? Oh. Tim, what? What do you want to tell me? That person's bad. Oh, Tim says they're bad. Bad people. Now, I want to ask you something. Did Jesus see people as bad? He saw them as lost. How do you see people? See, mercy, you give mercy when you start seeing them as lost. Because you know if you show them mercy that's going to lead them to Christ. You'll never lead anybody to Christ holding a grudge. You'll never get them any closer to God nursing a grudge. Who needs your mercy this morning? I know, Pick the gnarliest, toughest person. Say, that's the one that needs my mercy. Give it to them this week. Give it to them this week. Here's another one. My deeds of generosity. Why generosity, Tim? Because generosity shows God's love more than anything. He gave His life for me. He gave His life for you. He gave everything. Jesus let go of everything He had and became, became poor so you could have everything, so I could have everything. And I've learned something. This is something you might want to write down. God gives, gives to me so, I, so He can give through me. God gives to me so He can give through me. That's one of the reasons He blesses you. So you can bless others. Look what he says in Second Corinthians here. He says in the passage, "Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, circle service, others will praise God." Circle that. Notice the connection. Because of service, that's that's not that's not selfishness. That's generosity. That's a way of being generous. Because of because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience. Circle obedience. That has something to do with being generous. That accompanies your confession. It accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And what was my confession? That Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Lord of my life. That His values reign over mine. He just, and for your generosity, there's the word, in sharing with them and with everyone else. So one of the things I need to be is generous. Guys, I'm afraid sometimes we take a mentality away from here that we bring into here. And we don't leave it here. What are you talking about, Tim? It's a mentality that goes like this. Serve me. Give me. Satisfy me. Recognize me. Value me. Affirm me. Listen to me. Honor me. I Initially, when we came to church... It was about me, wasn't it? You could say that. But it's not about you. Being generous, instead of going... It's about, in other words, it's not about what can people do for me. It becomes, now what am I to do? And it means I give... When are you going to give me time? Give me attention. Give me... Sac- you know, uh, well, those leaders, you know, some of the leaders, they're the ones that sacrifice. Sacrifice. And the rest of the church doesn't? Huh? We're all believers. We're all salt. It doesn't say the leaders are the salt of the earth. The leaders are the light of the world. Everybody is, every Christian, every believer is salt and light. And one of the things that you can do to bring light to wherever, even more light into this church, light in the community, light in your family, is be generous. Be generous. Talk about money. Talk about time. Money, energy, yourself. Because this, this kind of relates to the, to the last one. That is, my deeds of selflessness. You see, when I have this serve me, take care of me, entertain me, keep me interested, you're not going to keep me unless you do what I like. You're going to turn people off with that and you're going to turn the lights off too. This church will not be here. We'll shut it down. We'll have to. Selfishness kills a church. It kills a life too. And look what the Bible says here in Colossians 3. Look what it encourages you and I to do. Everything you say and everything you do, that sounds like salt and light, doesn't it? Should be done for Jesus your Lord. Lord. Everything you say, everything you do should be done for Tim because he's trying to build a ministry. No. No! Well, w- w- everything I say and everything I do is to build up Greater Alton Church. No. No! It's not about people. It's about Jesus. Doing it for Jesus It's not about me. It's not about you. Come here, this guy. He's something. No! No! Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me show what the Bible says about the Lord. I've never walked on water, and I haven't died on a cross. I am not in that category. No leader should be in that category. And guys, when leaders start getting attention... And when leaders start getting, oh, you're just wonderful, you're awesome, you say we shouldn't say that. I'm saying we need to be careful because ultimately the glory is supposed to go to God. Give thanks to God the Father. They'll glorify God when they see your deeds, not you. Not me. So we shouldn't have any church pride? Think about it. At least be careful with it. Because I don't know if you know this or not, we ain't all that hot. We're not. On our own, <laughs> we're not much. Only because of Christ. I love this again, Peter. Let me. I'm going to use the same verse, different translation. Back up. I'm going to back. No, don't. Not you, Pat. Leave it right there. No, no. Bring it back. I'm backing up a little bit on this passage, and i want to show you what I mean. I want to show you verse 11 and 12 now together. Dear brothers, you are only visitors here. What's that say? It ain't my stuff. Don't get attached to it. Don't be selfish with it. I come over to your house and start grabbing your remote. Some of you men are going to cut my hand off. What are you doing? Sitting in your chair? What are you doing? You're a guest. Oh, sorry, I forgot I thought it was my stuff yeah you 're selfish he says dear brothers you're you are only visitors here he 's talking about the earth we 're only visitors since your real home is in heaven. I beg you to keep away from evil pleasures of this world what 's he saying? You need to make a hard choice here next week we 're going to be talking about gouging it out and cutting it off what 's that about what 's he just talking about there mutilation yeah he 's talking about mutilation yeah we 're talking about mutilation next week, okay. Look what he says, keep away from the evil pleasures of this world. Why? Because, why? They are not for you. You're light, you're salt. They fight against your very souls. He said, you know, they'll make this about you. Don't make life about my stuff and my pleasure and my things and my way and my plans and and my dreams. No, he says, be careful how you behave. Why? Then he says, be careful how you behave among unsaved neighbors. For then, even if they are suspicious of you and talk against you, they'll end up praising God. Not you. Not the church. They'll praise God for your good works. They'll, they'll, They'll have a relationship with God because you... Or light. It's, it's an eternal thing when Christ returns. Oh my goodness, this shapes eternity for people, guys. You change the world. But it comes from people who don't make it about themselves. It's about everything I say and everything I do brings glory to God and only to God. I do this for Jesus, I do this for God. And I have to tell myself that over and over and over again because when we're doing godly things, sometimes we I can get the idea, and maybe you can get the idea, that we're pretty good. You get so close to you know doing all these things for the Lord, hey, I'm pretty good at this. No. You're still a sinner, Tim. And this isn't about lifting you up. This is about lifting up the Christ. So this week I've got an assignment. You ready to write it down? Here's your assignment. Salt your conversation with the words we've described today. Now, maybe, maybe you've got some other words. I would be anxious to see, I would love to see what, you'd, what else you'd add to that list. But, but uh, hey, uh, this week, start steering the conversation in a way that, that preserves dignity, that preserves morality, the, that promotes Christ. And do something specific this week that would shed light towards the Lord. Don't just talk about it. Do something specific. Maybe it's something compassionate. Maybe it's something merciful. Maybe it's something selfless. That's it. Let's see. What do we do now? Oh, yeah. We're going to give you a chance to work on the cards. Uh, If you want to write something down, we're going to sing a song, give you a chance to do that. And then um, we're going to sing another song and uh, take up those cards along with the the regular contribution. Last week's contribution was really, really, really good, guys. Thank you very much for that. I hope hope we can keep that up. That's really, really cool. Um, Good to have you all here. Have a wonderful afternoon. Hope you get to watch that Packer Bear game. That'll be good tonight. Let's let's pray. Let's pray together. God, thank you for. Thank you so much for your word, Father. Father, we know you're the salt. You're the source of our saltiness. You are the light. And Father, we pray that we can that you'll just guide our words, help us say the right words. The best words help us help us just be more aware of it, and Lord let us let us see opportunities to turn the lights on where we work, where we go to school, in our home, in our small groups, in our neighborhood. Lord, give us give us the courage, the discipline, Father, to to uh, do this. Give us the ability, Father, because some of this stuff is beyond our ability; it's way above us. So we depend and call upon you. To help us be salt and light this week. Father, I know Tom Tarantino is on his way, he's there in Florida, his mother's not doing well. Lord, I pray that you comfort him and be with the Tarantino family there and as they're all gathered around his mom right now, um, and bring him back safe. We pray in Christ's name, Amen.